This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. things going happy wednesday color edition of sportsnet today here on sportsnet 960 the fan logan gordon in prime time peter klein along with you what up coming to you live from the doug lacy's basement systems downtown studios here in calgary alberta for doug lacy's basement systems crack foundation Boeing Foundation Walls with a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. You visit dlbasementsystems.com. We got a show for you over the next three hours. Hockey talk, football talk, baseball. We'll get to it all on this Wednesday edition of the program. Alongside our outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. Fan feedback line open to you at 960-960 questions comments queries if you just want to know what peter's doing on this wednesday night feel free to text us at 960-960 but pk we got lots to get to we got hockey talk coming up this hour some interesting tidbit of of flames off-season news that we'll start the program off with uh you'll join us for your first edition of nhl off-season review we're gonna take a look at the washington capitals we also have some interesting flames connections this off-season uh, football talk in hour two. We'll have a Stamps report with Patrick Dumas as the Stamps get set to take on the Toronto Argonauts this weekend. Mike Sando, senior senior NFL writer for the Athletics, going to join us. He does his yearly quarterback tiers in the NFL ahead of every season. This year, his latest edition has come out, so we'll talk to him about who ranks where amongst NFL quarterbacks. And hour three, all things baseball in the Toronto Blue Jays after the trade deadline comes and goes, and they get their tails whipped again by the Baltimore Orioles. How are we feeling about the Toronto Blue Jays? That coming up uh, in hour three. So lots to get to on the program. Glad to have PK along for the ride once again, sir. Looking forward to this uh, as we always are. But let's start off with uh, this is the kind of time... I don't want to say that we're scrounging for news because there's enough to talk about. <laughs> yeah. But when you're the specific team that you cover, we're the home of the Calgary Flames here, there's nothing specific. There's there's no arbitration cases. There's no RFA news. Yeah. Everybody that we know of right now that needs to be signed has been signed. So when we get the kind of news that we get today, we, we kind of jump on it because it's an interesting talking point. And today's talking point comes courtesy of a, a Czech hockey and sports outlet. Where we get all of our news from. Really, it's it's a it's a must-have for any sports fan. <laughs> uh, Denik Sports uh, interviewing Radko Gudis. You might think, okay, well, what does that have to do with the Calgary Flames? Well, Radko Gudis, obviously a, a native of the Czech Republic, Czechia, uh, and from Prague, where this news outlet is. 
Uh, talking about his offseason, his decision to sign with the Anaheim Ducks. He signed a three-year contract with Anaheim in the offseason after spending the last few years with the Florida Panthers. It's a three-year deal, $4 million per season for the 33-year-old defenseman. Uh, that's not the story. The story is, however, that Radko Gudis named a couple of teams, PK, that he says made offers in the offseason and talked a bit about why he wasn't interested in those teams, those three teams being the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, and, of course, the Calgary Flames. Now, mm-hmm. we don't know what that offer looks like. Right. We have no idea if it was competitive, if it was compelling to Radko Gudis. Radko Gudis said, I didn't really have any interest in signing in Canada. Too much media scrutiny for my liking. Going back to the playoff series against Toronto, there was just too much going on for me. Um, so a quiet landing spot for him in Anaheim. Uh, made more sense, and I would say, given the contract he was given, made a lot of sense. But I'm curious what you make hearing that the Flames were at least interested in some way, shape, or form. Again, there's no contract details here. There's no length. There's no right. term. There's no money attached to this. But generally speaking, Radko Gudis and the Flames makes Peter Klein think what? The first thing that I thought of is that that this would signify not that again that there are details we don't know but to me one of the big questions the offseason for the flames is what direction are we going in here you trade uh tyler to foley for uh sharon govich and a pick so to me that's like okay you're getting a younger kid in here we're going with a, a bit of a i don't want to say youth movement but we're, we're maybe going in the direction where a, a few more young kids are coming in Radko Gudis would pretty well fly in the faces of all of that. And, and so to me, it, it kind of signifies that for all of the consideration that maybe this is going to be a teardown, maybe this is going to be a whatever, you, you don't make an offer to Radko Gudis and then go out and blow everything up. So I don't know. Again, I don't think Radko Gudis is the difference between a five-year rebuild and, oh, we're going to go out and get it this year. Well, we didn't get Gudis, so now we have to, to go the other way. But I, I do... I, I do kind of have an eyebrow raised that that is more of a have success now move than maybe something I was anticipating from a Flames group that I think a lot of people are expecting to maybe take a step back if, in fact, players like Lindholm, Backlund, and Hannafin are on the move out of town. It's an interesting one for a number of reasons for me. One being the right shot that Radko Gudis is. This team mm-hmm. is already, in my mind, one right shot too many currently for me to line it up how I would like it and essentially how I would enjoy it. And most would be that Mackenzie Weger winds up on his right side. And as of right now, he's probably your best option to play on the left. So he, he goes off of his natural side. So the, the fact that he's a right shot interests me. I, I look, I wonder really if the flames looked at Radko Gudis and thought perhaps the role that Jordan Osterley has been given yeah. was what they were hoping for. And Look, Anaheim needed to spend money to get to the cap floor. They needed some professionals on that back end. Uh, It's a very young Anaheim team that's lost some veterans over the last couple of years. And I think when you're playing with as much cap space as they are for a rebuilding team, you don't mind over. To me, it looked a lot like Felino and Perry in Chicago. Yeah. Except for two more years. Right. Right. It was like, hey, look, we got to spend some money a good opportunity for you to make some extra cash than maybe you would have because I don't think the Flames, the Leafs, and the Oilers, the three teams that he mentions uh, as teams that made offers to him, I don't think any of them would have come anywhere close to, to $4 million per season 
and especially a three-year term. No, no. Like I, I, I'm with you where when you brought it up when we were talking off air, it made all the sense in the world that it was the, the Osterly offer. Like, yeah, a year, right around a million bucks. You want to come in? No? Okay, fine. But th- that is technically a offer, so that, that is something that, that he can go with. And you're right. Like I, I don't know what type of a move that... Because if you bring him, in, bring him in at whatever cap hit, someone has to go out. That's the Flames salary cap situation right now. So I, I wonder what the plan would have been if he would have been like, oh, yeah, love Stampede. Let me come on in. Um, I, I don't know what the, the following move would. I guess that just no Osterly. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's just it seems like a weird fit. And I'm not the biggest Radko Gudis fan. He it, like he kind of peaks at eh, it's fine. Yeah. For me, but I, I don't know if I would have wanted to give him term or money. So I it's, I don't want to say dodged a bullet because I, I don't think he's that type of a, a player or, or that type of no, a, a liability. No, I think he's a bottom pairing but, guy. You're yeah. probably pretty happy. Yeah, you want him in the, the, the stone role, right? Where he comes in for 45 games a year, shoots the puck really hard, crashes into some people, and everyone falls in love, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's basically what you want him to do. And now, like you said, in Anaheim, they have to get to the cap floor. Um, I... I I guess it makes sense for them, but it, it is interesting that the media scrutiny thing is a, another thing that comes up in this one. And it, it's one of the, the interesting distinctions between the NHL and the NBA where the NBA it's, I want as many, I want to be in as big of a market as you can possibly get me to. I don't want to be in Portland. I want to be in Miami. I don't want to be in Toronto. I want to be in LA. I, I want, I want all of these big things. And in the NHL, it's like, man, could really use a couple less reporters in here. Can we get to? Can we get a team in Oklahoma City? Can we? Can we get a team to Salt Lake City? Can we do this? Um, it, it's it's very interesting how how this the, the, there's such a a difference in the mentality of some of the, these players and some of these people. Yeah, and I think that might be the bigger story, even than the Flames Gudis connection. There is Radko saying, "Like I just wasn't interested in the Canadian markets. It's just too big for me, especially because I look." To clarify, and for anybody that's not, and there's a lot of you that aren't around NHL locker room scrums, the Toronto traveling media outnumbers the amount of Flames media that are at home games. I know that this year because Mark Giordano came to town with Toronto this year, spoke to the media ahead of coming back to Calgary, as one would. And just the Toronto media that were in Calgary for the game yeah. is more than are at Flames games on a, on a home game basis. Yeah. So to, and look, I get it. You're not in every, every Canadian market. So uh, for Radko Gudis, it's hard to say. And, but I think generalizing it as, Oh, all Canadian markets are like this is, is dramatically unfair to yeah. Canadian markets and the kind of media scrutiny, if that's what you want to call it. I, I think it's just, it comes with being, a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, that's part of the job, right? Like that's the, like part of the reason why, and most of the reason why you, you get paid so much is that people then pay money to, to come watch you play. And it, that's how business works. But part of the, the job and part of the reason why you get the money that you do is because you have people like us who talk about you yeah. on, on a, a relatively daily basis or yeah. sometimes hourly basis yeah. with this hockey team. But no, like the, the coverage having lived in both cities, the, the sports coverage out here, like not to whatever, but like, we're the only show in town. This place, only 24-hour sports station in yep. town. There are a number of other people who cover the team, but it ain't close to 
some of these other places. So I, if it's too much here, then whatever. And it's, it's everyone's preference, right? Like I, I'm sure there would be people who wouldn't want to come work for a, a media place in, in Calgary or in Toronto or in Edmonton because of X, Y, and Z factors or anything like that. Like it's, it's everyone's personal choice. But um, if, if the, the, the media coverage out here, just because we talk about them every day is too much, then yeah, the, the, you can beat it. Yeah. And I'm, again, it's his choice. He doesn't have to, he can he had options. He can sign wherever he wants to sign, but you know, there's even a text at nine six zero nine six zero about you know uh, someone complaining about media scrutiny in Canada, and now we're turning a, a non-subject into a, a big story. I'm not turning it into a big story at all. I'm turning it into um, a, a talking point. And if you think that that's media scrutiny, we're not scrutinizing anybody for anything. We're simply right. talking about uh, a guy that mentioned the Calgary Flames as a team that had an offer on him. If, if that's too much for your ears. I apologize, and maybe you should consume less media, but that's not that's not on any given market. And to assume that, again, that every Canadian market operates in the same way, shape, or form simply because we're all in the country of Canada, yeah, you just you haven't done your research, and you, you obviously don't know the difference between how media markets work between Montreal and Calgary and Vancouver to Calgary and Edmonton and Winnipeg because they are dramatically different. Yeah, and I feel like it's a bit of a cop out because there's a place like that, like, Boston, you get scrutiny. For New sure. York, you get scrutiny. You know, like I, I can't imagine that the Kings bump the the Lakers off of anything, but the 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 Kings still get coverage. Yep. Um. So I, I, I feel like that the Canada thing is just it's always a bit of a cop out. Yeah. And and, and yeah. like you, like, honestly, and again, I don't know Radko Gudis from a hole in the wall, and he doesn't know me. Um. But I feel like part of it is most of it is Calgary probably offered substantially less money. Thank Edmonton you. probably offered substantially less money. Toronto probably offered substantially less money. And so now uh, either he wants to feel better about himself or it's a story or like, I mean, maybe it was factor number eight and he's like, Oh yeah, I just didn't want to deal with that. And it's been turned into a whatever. But the, the, the reason why he went to Anaheim is because they offered him more money for longer than any of these teams did. If the Flames would have come in with a more competitive offer, he's probably a Calgary Flame right now, and he's talking about how much he loves the pressure yeah. and can't wait to, to, to help bring a, a fan base with such passion to a, a, a Stanley Cup championship. But yeah. they didn't, so he's not. Yeah, I really I really couldn't have said it any better than that because exactly what I was thinking. If, if Toronto or Edmonton or Calgary was... Not only the most competitive offer, but the only offer, and yeah. it was between that and not signing anywhere, and that was reason number one. Okay, but I don't buy it. Yeah, I really don't. You want to keep playing hockey? You want to keep living the NHL lifestyle and traveling on charter planes and uh, five star hotels and everything else with it? I I think you'd you'd make the choice. I think you'd you'd sacrifice the the media scrutiny and look right. don't. Don't act like for a second. Yes, is it Anaheim? Is it not the the biggest play in town? Sure, but don't act like uh, you know the 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 media that you're going through in Anaheim is 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 drastically more easy on you than it would be here in Calgary. It's not it, it's not the cesspool of scrutiny that no. that maybe some make it out to be. And look again, it's his choice. He can make his mind up however he wants to, and uh, he's got a very Good offer in Anaheim and good for him. So well, and he was just in the Cup final. You know what comes with a lot of media scrutiny? The Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, like yeah, there is a speaking of traveling circus. There's a lot of that. So 
do you want to go to a place where you can't win either now? I mean, you could suggest that that might be here too, but uh, do, do you want to go to a place where you're not going to win so you don't have to deal with that? Well, then congratulations. Enjoy Anaheim. Like, I I, I don't know. To, to me, it, it feels like a, I don't want to say it's a nothing story because there's something to talk about. And like we said, there's layers to it from a, a Calgary perspective, from an Edmonton perspective, and, and from a Toronto perspective. But um, to me, it, it it almost feels like a, making up excuses as to why instead of just the real reason of, yeah, they offered me more money, which by the way, totally fine. Yeah. If you had come out and said that, I wouldn't have looked twice. Yeah. I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even cared. I would actually say good for you. Yeah, of course. Go for that's, it. And, <laughs> that's I, I, I honestly think that's probably 95% of decision-making nowadays. And the 5% else comes, I mean, either way, you're still living top tier wherever you go as an NHL player. And the best houses, the best, you know, yes, the weather is a factor. I get it. But at the end of the day, if someone offers you $2 million more than, than another place, yeah, I think you're going to find a way to to sign there. Yeah. Uh, other NHL news, speaking of the Anaheim Ducks uh, and Radko Gudis, uh, they had an interesting ARB case yeah. set to happen. One of the larger separations in... Um, in money that we saw between player and team, as always with these ARB cases, PK, when you get closer, you're asked to submit an offer um, from both sides. Uh, player came in at $8 million. Uh, 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 Troy Terry's side came in at $8 million yep. for the uh, the offer. The Ducks countered at 4.5. Everyone, wow, that's, <laughs> that was a gap. remarkable gap between the two of them. Um, apparently not as much of a gap as we thought as the team uh, announced today that they did come to terms on a long-term deal. They avoid arbitration with Troy Terry and come to terms on a seven-year contract extension worth $7 million per season, so much closer to the player side of things. Uh, a two-time All-Star, back-to-back 60-point seasons, a career-high 37 goals in 21-22. He's 25 years old. Uh, has 176 career points, 74 penalty minutes in 274 career NHL games. He was a fifth-round pick back in 2015. And this is an interesting one that you and me have talked about mostly off the air because it's just mm-hmm. one of those ones that until there's news, there's not really news. I was a bit surprised. I, I really think that Troy Terry, I, I think there's a good player is a very solid player, but I think is also a player getting a bump in the fact that this is not a contending team. Yeah. And he's seeing a lot of opportunity because of that. And as the roster fills out as Leo Carlson, as Mason McTavish, as those kind of guys get expanded roles on the Anaheim Ducks, I'm curious to see if Troy Terry can maintain the kind of offensive output that he's uh, started the last two years with the Ducks. Yeah, and this is one of those ones, like, it it, it sounds lovely. Oh, yeah, two-time All-Star. Every team gets an All-Star. So, for two years in a row, he's been the best player on a bad team. Congratulations. Yeah, like, that and changes that a lot, by the way. <laughs> that conversation of, of guys who are All-Stars and how yeah. that used to mean something, you're damn right. Every team gets an All-Star. Yeah. Every division, as terrible as your goaltending is, right. puts two goalies in there. You could have terrible goalies in the Pacific Division, and we, we had... An interesting case for it last year, seeing as how a couple of the goaltenders that we thought were really good and play really good. You're right. It's kind of more of a, well, everybody gets one. Yeah. So that's, I don't know that that's as, 
right? Meaningful like, as it once was. The, the Nashville Predators sign a former all-star sounds a whole lot different than the Nashville Predators sign David Riddick. John like, Scott was an all-star. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With all due um, respect, please don't kill me. Yes. No, could. could. Frightening human. Terrifying. Um, but no, like, it, it's... And, and again, I have no problem. Every team should have a, an all-star. I'm one of the people who believes that. It makes it more fun. But then you can't use it in these discussions. Troy Terry is is fine. Seven years at $7 million, I wouldn't have wanted to do either of those. Um, like, I, I just feel like when when this team is good again, like when, when the, the Ducks enter a, another glory year, I feel like he's going to be more second third line guy than first second line guy right like and maybe maybe that's being a bit too harsh to someone who almost got 40 a couple of years ago which is regardless of what team you play on that's difficult to do but I I I don't view him as a driver I I don't view him as someone who is a makes everyone around him better and I excuse me I I don't view him as someone who like you said as this team improves does he improve with them I don't think so he 25 which again we're not quite there for peak yet but I, I don't know what more growth he has, I kind of feel like we've already seen the best years of Troy Terry, which seems harsh to say about a 25-year-old. But again, as this team starts to develop, I feel like they're going to need quality players to step over him, which is tough to do when he signed for $7 million a season. So it felt like too much for too long for me. And it feels like one of those ones that you justify it now from an Anaheim perspective because, yeah, we got the cap space now. I mean, we need to get to the cap floor. We have to do that. But then in a couple of years when you're trying to be competitive again, boy, it sure would be nice to not have that on the books. Yeah, to me, that one struck me as a case, especially knowing that they were close to arbitration where I would have been okay with the bridge and knowing that the cap's going to go up as significantly as we think it is over the next couple of years. If Troy Terry at the end of a potential three-year contract, PK, has proven to me that he's still that guy. He's still that 60 to 70 point guy. I'll pay up for that in three years time. Yeah. But the two years of being a 60 point guy, when we've been a bottom standings kind of of group and you've seen a lot of power play time and you haven't had any competition to play with the best players on this team, because there is no best players on this team right now. It's, you know, been Trevor Zegris and a couple of, you know, NHL depth guys that we've signed as centers to keep us afloat the next couple of years. Once that competition starts, I'm kind of with you. I don't know that he beats out uh, Mason McTavish for time or a right. Leo Carlson for, uh, I know it's a different position, but uh, at center ice, but I don't know that he does that. So in my mind, I would have, knowing that I have cap flexibility coming my way with Anaheim because I have so few guys signed long-term, this would have been one of those cases where I would have been okay with the bridge because the other end of it wouldn't have scared me. Yeah, Even if I had to pay him a couple more, Okay, well, I've got a five-year sample size that you are this guy and you can compete with the high-end, top-end prospects. You're a fifth-round pick. You you scored 30 goals. That's great for you. When Mason McTavish and those other guys I keep mentioning, when they come up and their high-end really hits in the NHL, are you still that guy? Right. If I have a five-year sample size that shows me that, I'll pay for that all day long. And then the back pack part of this, too, also has a modified no trade. Um, But no, you're right. Like, if... He, he was making 1.45 last year. Give him a boost for that for sure. 100%. Give, but, you like earned you that, yeah. Yeah, but give him a bridge, and then if we have to pay a couple extra million dollars at that point, with a smile on my face and a tear in my eye, I will gladly do that. I Hopefully, I do have to do that if I'm an yeah, it's a, it's a great It's that, a great scenario if in yeah. three years he's earned a... Uh, a, a raise. Yeah, do three at five, and let's, ju- let's just see. 
And then after that, if if you need eight or nine, then we will gladly give you eight or nine. I, I just I I I have a real tough time believing that this is going to be a player that maintains a seven million dollar value throughout this whole thing and, and through the growth of the Anaheim Ducks. I I don't make to be perfectly frank, I haven't loved this offseason right now for Anaheim. I, I thought the, the Kalorn signing was a bit too soon and for a bit too much and for a bit too long. Um, and, and so that concerns me a little bit. And now like that they have a Zegras contract coming up, which is like he's an RFA, but that's going to be a real interesting one because we talked about it before. I feel like the hype and buzz around this kid um, far outweighs what he's produced on the ice so far. And then like you're saying in a couple of years, there's, there's going to be some more contracts that are coming up that it sure would be nice if you had a, a little bit of extra money on hand. To, to to make some of those signings. So yeah, that this one did not did not like this one at all. Uh so text at 960-960 before we hit the break. Uh this text in total non-context to what we're talking about. <laughs> uh rather have a 25-year-old Troy Terry for 7 than a 30-year-old Cadre. Well, yeah, but those aren't your only those two options. Those are not at all what we're talking about. No, nor they were, yeah, they're not related at all. Um and th- this is one of those things and god Darn it, did I miss the, these types of discussions. Just because what the, a text that is. Just because the team we cover does, does something doesn't mean like that is our, A, something that we 100% would have done. B, uh, is the only scope of hockey knowledge that we have. Like we, we can expand beyond what happened here and make some comparisons. Just because one might be a bit of an overpay uh, does not make this one better just because like, oh, well, he is better than Nazem Kadri. Oh, give him nine then. Yeah, hey, PK, I'd rather have a 26-year-old Nathan McKinnon the mm-hmm. 31 year old Nazim Kadri. Bold. Hey, can we make that, is that the, social the same? Post? Is that the same? That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Can you guys. So we can just put any player we're talking about <laughs> and say I'd rather have him more than this guy? Yeah. Come on. Like, that's. We're talking about an RFA deal off of a guy in Anaheim compared to a free agent. In... And yeah. it's not even. We... It has nothing to do with the Flames. No. Literally nothing. Uh, I really like this text from Matt and Cochran. Uh, hockey players being terrified of the spotlight sure helps not growing the sport. Can't get paid like LeBron if you're not going to put your face and name out there like LeBron does. Fair point. Yeah. Quickly, I, it's Radko Gudis, so it's not <laughs> not the same, but I get what the, the point that he makes is an accurate one. Yeah, there's... There is a whole lot of, I want there to be as little attention on me as possible, which is the wrong thing. But, but it, and it's something that has held this sport back for a while. Cause then you get people who do want attention on them and it's like, oh man, I can't believe that, that this guy is such a me first player. You don't want this at all. Like, yeah, no, that, that type of mentality is absolutely something that is getting in the way of the sport. Uh, this stick says you guys haven't watched Terry enough. He's the driver right now. Not Zegris uh, uh, again it might be, I, I Probably would take Terry over Zegers. Yeah, but I don't the, the, know if I would pay either of them seven million dollars. The, yeah, the problem is, is is he still the driver when better players come in? That's yeah. that's what I'm curious to find out. I'm not saying he he's not. I just not sure I would have given the seven. Like I think PK's talking about too. Yeah. Uh, this guy says uh, text. I should say uh, all stars and overrated metric. Zimgus Gergensen was an all star. <laughs> the same thing with the Pro Bowl in the NFL. It's a popularity contest. Uh, it's best on best. You wouldn't want to see anyone on the Ducks. Uh, Chris says, uh, the media was scary. LOL. Just everywhere. The media was relentless. Fun times hearing that from players. And we'll end off on this. You just want Gudis so that he can scream in the face of goaltenders. That's fair. Yeah. That was, uh, was a tough <laughs> one for Toronto fans to take that one. Yeah. Was that a, was that a Richard move? 
Or was that just emotion? Are you okay That's with emotion. that? That's emotion. That's emotion. Yeah, you weren't upset with that? No, not at all. I have no problem with that. Like, you are playing a high-pressure game that involves a lot of contact and everything. Emotions are going to be high. Scream when you need to scream. That's fine. I also yeah. wouldn't have minded if it was like if someone was in front from the Leafs and gave him a shot in the back after screaming at my yeah. goaltender. No, that's fair. You, but at you the are same time. absolutely allowed to scream in the face of whoever you want uh, within reason. And someone is absolutely allowed to then punch you in the face for it. Yeah. But both things are fine. Yeah. What a weird sport this is. It really is. <laughs> but that's the level of acceptability we're at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's Peter Klein. I'm Logan Gordon. This is Sportsnet Today. We continue our NHL offseason in review next. We're going to take a look at the Washington Capitals. Are they able to maintain a level of... I don't want to... What's the word I'm looking for here? Competitiveness. There you go. While Alex Ovechkin chases down Wayne Gretzky's goal record. I don't know if the offseason gives you enough indication of that, but we'll find out next. That's coming up as Sportsnet Today rolls on. Sportsnet 960, the fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960, the fan. This is Logan Gordon and Peter Klein along with you. Sportsnet Today rolls on on a Wednesday edition. And we continue... On this Wednesday, our NHL offseason in review. Today, PK, talking about a team that has some interesting Calgary connections this offseason. That's right, yeah. Not necessarily in any big-name players, but the Washington Capitals have former Calgary Wranglers head coach Mitch Love, now behind the bench with Spencer Carberry, and Matthew Phillips, leading scorer of the Calgary Wranglers. Last couple seasons, he has joined the Capitals organization and perhaps we'll see some uh, NHL time there this year. I mean, we could go really far back and say the Sonny Milano <laughs> yeah. PTO from last year started this whole thing, but I think that's a little bit too far down the rabbit hole. I uh, was to talk all things Washington Capitals, the offseason that they've had in the upcoming season. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, guest hotline for NHL.com. Tom Galetti joins us this afternoon. Tom, thanks for the time. How are you? Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, thank you. Uh, interesting offseason for the Washington Capitals. Some changes behind the bench, a couple of interesting offseason moves. How would you characterize the work that Brian McClellan's done so far? Um, well, the, you know, obviously with the, the coaching change with Spencer Carberry taking up Peter Levy that being gone and, and Spencer Carberry coming in, they changed over most of the, most of the coaching staff. Uh, as you mentioned, Mitch Love coming in. Uh, Kirk Muller also coming in as an assistant from, who was in Calgary last year with the Flames. Um, so, you know, it's going to be kind of a different, a different, definitely a different looking staff and, uh, kind of reflects, I guess, what they're trying to, trying to do there where they want to try to have, you know, some younger players involved. So Spencer Carberry, who was there, who was their Hershey coach, uh, two, two years ago before he was an assistant for the last two seasons, he's, he's now their head coach and he comes in and they want to try to bring in some younger players to kind of try to transition, but also keep. They have a, still a pretty old team, and they want to try to get back in the playoffs. That's the idea. I mean, they have Alex Ovechkin. They're not. They're not. Um, they're not going to rebuild and you know tear it all down. But they need to try to get a little bit younger. And, and I think they're still in the process of doing that. As far as personnel, I think we could still see some moves before the season season starts. They haven't really got you know they've made that many changes player wise uh, when you look at what their roster looks like. I, I was going to ask about that is because, uh, like you said, a lot of the moves um, a little bit more on the fringes with all due respect to, to a Max Pacioretty. But is the, the, the yeah. room for improvement on this team coming from more internal growth than uh, than a big move coming? 
Um, I mean, I think they're helping some of the young young players. Will will be able to help you know help them. There's Connor McMichael is one of their first round picks. I think from a you know from a few years ago, and he had a couple of years ago. He did play. He did play for them most of the season. But last year, kind of you know they, they end up going back to Hershey and playing on that team there. And I guess they hope that that helped his development. And that team in Hershey did win the Calder Cup, so they have they're hoping some players down there. Uh, can help them, uh, but I, I I do think this there there might be some moves to come. They made a trade last year during the season where they got Rasmus Sandin from t- Toronto, and I think they're looking to get more of a another kind of player like that age, you know, on another team that maybe might be a, a, with teams up against the cap here. They maybe they can take advantage of. You know, there's still some talk about them trading Evgeny Kuznetsov and what they could get back there. I don't know. So there's I, I think. There could be still some tweaking with it with the lineup, but you know when you look at what they have, they're gonna have some older players, and they're gonna to need to, you know, last year they had a lot of injuries with an older team, and they're gonna to need to be healthy this year for them to have any, you know, chance to get back in the playoffs. When you look at in general, uh, Matthew Phillips was a name that was brought up here a lot during the the season with a lot of success in the American Hockey League. Uh, most believing he didn't necessarily get a, a fair shake on, on the roster. Now he's off um, w- with his coach from the Wranglers uh, to, to Washington. Um, I, I, I don't know if there are many places where you'd get asked about an American Hockey League player, three questions into the interview, but where uh, where do you think Matthew Phillips kind of fits in in the, the grand scheme of things with the the Washington Capitals? The thing is, they didn't really move out so many guys, so I don't know how many spots they have open, but I, I do think he's me a guy who's going to get a look. And like you said, he has his coach from last year in the AHL with him, and that'll help him. He's someone who's familiar with him within the organization. Um, I'm sure that connection helped, you know, with Phillips joining the joining the Capitals. Um, but if he's a guy who can shows them they can play, they definitely can use some younger guys. And you know, he's not he's not like a 20 year old. But he's, but you know, he's he's a guy who 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 could definitely make them younger, and he's had some success, and obviously in the AHL. So maybe you know, if there's an injury here or there, you know, or or they end up making another move and move somebody out, then maybe there's a possibility for him to to have a chance. I I definitely see him getting a chance in training camp. I just at this point with the roster they have, they don't really have many open spots unless they're going to be moving out some veterans. Uh, speaking of a couple of those key veterans, Tom Nick Backstrom and T.J. Oshie are a couple of the guys that. You've associated with this Washington team the last couple of years, but have built with some of those key injuries. Are, are getting those two guys back and healthy for a full 82 going to be key to anything that this Washington team does as far as making a push towards a playoff spot? Uh, oh, definitely. And, and you look at TJ Oshie, he's kind of a guy who still drives the team. And when and the times when he was healthy last year definitely helped the team, just that he was dealing with a, a back issue that kept on coming and going. And uh, he I guess they had some kind of process. He had a minor procedure that he's hoping you know he'll be fully healthy and throughout the season be able to stay healthy this time. You know, Nicholas Backstrom came back from hip resurfacing surgery, which only one player in the history of the NHL has ever played with after that before, and he's the second. So him, he felt like you know, he'd been dealing with this hip hip issue for two, three years, and he felt like now that he felt healthy, he'd have a full summer to train, and that could help him. And they they need to you know. He, if he's not able to get back to where he, where he was, that's one thing. But he needs to get back to close close to that for them to have a chance. You know, last year he was still kind of finding his way coming back after it was a major surgery, and you can understand that. But it'll be interesting to see where he is and if he can get back to being an effective player for them. Uh, what what went wrong for Anthony Mantha last year in in Washington? I remember when that trade went down with Detroit. There was a lot of people hopeful in in Washington that he could be a, a key top six piece for this team, but just didn't seem to happen. And in sixty seven games last year, just the twenty seven points. Uh, where does the team stand with Anthony Mantha, Tom? Well, 
I mean, it's really been since he's gotten here. It's in some. There have been some positive times and positive streaks, and he's kind of a streaky player, but not as much as they'd hope. And I think that was kind of where, at least in Detroit, he would be a 20-goal scorer, and he hasn't really even put that together here. Um, I, don't, I think the hope is with a new coach, with Spencer Carberry, I don't think um, he had as much trust from Pierre Laviolette. And, you know, it's also it's going to be his his contract here that if there's any reason, you know, there's any chance of you know for him to – to have a you know to help himself with the his contract expiring the year, this, they're hoping to get more out of him and maybe to change the coach, little change in system, maybe it, it could help. But he you know he just not a, not much consistency in his game and, and obviously his production. I think you know confidence is part of that too. So maybe a fresh start for him with with the new coaching staff could help. Um, I think he was one of those guys and maybe he could have been could have been moved, but doesn't you know based off of his off of the season, it's really not, you're not going to really get much. So hoping the capital's kind of hoping that there may be a fresh start with the coach. And like I said, being a contract here, maybe they'll get something out of him this year and it'll help both, both him and them. Uh, obviously a lot of the focus this year is going to be on, on Alex Ovechkin and odds are probably not going to get the, the Wayne Gretzky mark this year. Although, I mean, maybe he just goes wild at, at some point, um, but uh, still 42 goals last season after a, a 50 goal campaign the, the year before that, um, th- there isn't a whole lot left to be said uh, about one of the, the great goal scorers of our time. But um, for, for a team that kind of stumbled last year, misses the playoffs, has he expressed any, any frustration about anything in, in Washington or anything like that? Not so far, no. And then I, I, the team did make promises to him when he, he, you know, he signed a five-year contract two years ago, and it was promised to him that they were going to put together a good team, a team that's competitive. He still wants to try. He wants to win, and he needs to have a good team around him to break that record. So we'll see, you know, what they have this year. Um, I think, you know, he wants to he wants to win, and he wants, and obviously that record means a lot to him. It would mean a lot to the organization too. So it's like I said earlier, this is not going to be, you know. This is not going to be a rebuild. They promised him that, so it's really kind of trying to, trying to build a team or retool a team around him that can be competitive and get back in the playoffs and help him at the same time. So to get to that record, um, like you said, he's not going to get. You know, it would be, but I think was he seventy goals away. He's not going to get this year. <laughs> Let's just say that. But um, you know, he's he's been on a good pace towards it. Like you said, last year he had some injuries and he still ended up with 40, 40 something goals. So. Um, be interested to see. I think, you know, he comes in every year in good shape and you know, he had also some personal stuff last year with his, with his father uh, passing away, unfortunately. So there was, there was some time he missed. And I think that time he missed also hurt them as a team. Uh, so having him back and you know, he usually doesn't miss a game, miss games. So if he's able to be healthy, obviously that's a big part, part of what them having a chance to get back into the playoff picture. What's the overall buzz uh, around this team like in in Washington right now? Uh, a weird time out there for sports. The, the Nationals have certainly taken about 15 steps back from the, their World Series teams. Uh, the, the Wizards are in year 45 of a rebuild. It does seem like the Commanders have uh, a bit of uh, excitement around them. But where do the, the Capitals kind of fit in in the, the sports buzz uh, out in Washington right now? Well, I mean, it was the first time they missed the playoffs in a while, so it's kind of weird. It was kind of a weird spring for them to not really be part of the conversation here, and I think people are waiting and seeing to see what they're going to be because, like, you know, the new coaching staff, there's some excitement with that, um, but, you know, there's going to have to be some results and maybe some, like I said, there might still be some changes to the to the roster before they play their opening game against the Penguins in October. Um, but I think it's kind of a wait and see. Um, people know, you know, that, you know, they're getting to near the end. This, you know, this core is old and um, older and, and, and their chances of winning again are it with each year, you know, it gets, you know, not as, you know, obviously it's not, 
not as good a chance of winning every year that that passes since you know they since they won the cup in 2018 they haven't won a playoff series they've been in the playoffs but uh, last year's first time they missed but it's just that you know you're, there's a wait and see kind of to see how they're going to kind of w- walk this tightrope of trying to retool on the flyer and be somehow be competitive and and also get younger and um so it'll be interesting to see how training I think there'll be an interest it'll be an interesting training camp to see how how things go and and where maybe some younger players are I do have a chance to fit in and and where some veterans will fit uh that are still here. Uh Tom last one for you before we let you go. You mentioned Evgeny Kuznetsov. We've heard his name around the rumor mill for a while now. Is that part of the the to-do list here for for August and into training camp for for GM Brian McClellan, is that, you know, figure out Kuznetsov, figure out maybe some of the other names for this team and, and try to make a, an impact move before training camp starts? Do you see that being sort of the last uh, hurrah for the summer of moves for Washington? I definitely think there has to be something decided there, whether they're going to be able to pull, you know, pull off a trade with him and, and move him on or, you know, hope that, you know, I get like with like similar to Manta with a coaching change. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of been, you know, Kuznetsov's kind of been a, on and off, you know, every other year, kind of really good. Two years ago, he was, he was really good. Last year, not as good. And maybe a hope coaching change and, and, you know, fresh start to the season, he is the player he was two seasons ago. Because if he is, they're a much different team. So, and maybe you're better off hoping for that than what you might, unless you're, what you might get back for, for uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Because I think right now, they're probably, they're trading low and teams know how much value they're going to get back. So it's a question of, is it worth trading him for the sake of trading him and getting something back? Or do you hope that him coming back and having a bounce back season, that helps your team. And then obviously it helps him too. Tom, great stuff. Really appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks for hopping on with us here in Calgary. We will uh, let you go and enjoy the rest of your summer here. Hopefully we can catch up again once the NHL season rolls around again. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it guys. Cheers. Thanks Tom. Tom Galetti joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, NHL.com regional writer covering the Washington Capitals. And you know what, PK, until we looked at this team getting set for today and getting set for our conversation with Tom, I didn't realize how aging this roster is. Mm-hmm. But, man, if a couple of those guys don't bounce back, yeah, that promised Alex Ovechkin about a competitive team, I, I, don't, I don't know that they can fulfill that. I mean, he's 37. Yep. Backstrom's 36. Kuznetsov's 31 already. Uh, Mantha, 28. Wilson's 29. Oshie, uh, 36. Oshie's 36. John Carlson's 33 years old already. Yeah. Um, It's a very, very aging core in Washington, and their big ad was a guy that didn't play next to any hockey last year in Max Pacioretty, who's 34 years old himself. Yeah. Yeah, I... I... I I don't really see like again un- unless some of the, these kids take a step up I don't know where the improvement for this team is coming from aside from like you said some of the the banged up players maybe have a bit of a bounce back maybe uh, an Anthony Mantha does take a, another step this year under a, a new head coach or or something along those lines or maybe it is a, a young player stepping in and making an impact maybe it's a Dylan Strom um, taking a, another step although I I kind of feel like we're at. Dylan Strom's peak now, and we could have a conversation about a $5 million contract. But um, yeah, that they are they, they are a bit of an aging group. If everyone plays to their hockey DB page, they should still be competitive. But we've talked about this before. The Eastern Conference is a gauntlet this year. Like when we're talking about Boston yesterday potentially falling off, 
Washington kind of in the, the same boat as the the Bruins where they, they have their the roster is basically set unless they make a major move to shake things up. And for them, that major move would be Kuznetsov. But then again, how many teams can just absorb $7.8 million for the next couple of seasons? So what are you going to get? And he has a modified no trade as well. So you can't just ship him off to Columbus for a couple of things and just have the cap space. He has to be all right with where he's going. So yeah, Washington's in an interesting spot and it's too bad. Like they're one of the teams where it's just more fun when they're good. Um, it, it's more enjoyable when Alex Ovechkin is on prime time, just absolutely hammering shots on the, uh, the one timer there and and getting some goals and th this team it's just it's more fun when they are relevant and so hopefully that they can figure something out there in Washington what a different team this is going to be in three years time this oh, year yeah. Mantha and Wilson expire next year Backstrom Kuznetsov Oshie three years from now Ovechkin Carlson Nick Jensen Trevor Van Riemsdyk the entirety of the Washington Capitals core as you know it I think will be flipped over in three years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that they like are... A team that, and a team, and sorry to interrupt you, nope. uh, a team that even though you've promised Alex Ovechkin you're going to remain competitive, I'm not touching my first-round draft pick if I'm no. the Washington Capitals. No. No, th but th they are going with the... Look, we're going to be bad when he leaves anyway, so let's try to be as good as possible, but let, let's not mortgage the future. I do think it's interesting... They've accumulated uh, a couple of future picks. Uh, they have two future second round picks in 25. They have a couple of thirds this year. I wonder if they try, like, I wonder if those are the bullets in the chamber to try to get a little bit better um, on the edges. Like, just try to squeak into the playoffs and hope that your experience helps you out um, in, in that facet. Um, he kind of brought up uh, Kirk Muller, who, if I'm not mistaken, was in charge of the power play last season, which was not an overly popular one. With Flames fans. I think that's fair to say. Um, and so when when uh, that was brought up, I was like, oh, man, I don't love that for them. But then again, you're not going to mess a whole lot with the power play in Washington. It, it doesn't matter what power play structure you draw up. The entirety of it is Ovechkin one-timer, Ovechkin one-timer. The rest of it, whatever, all of it is just funneling to that dude. So there isn't a whole lot for him to get in the way of this year out in Washington. No, and in fairness, and this is something that, that changes a lot with assistant coaches, and it, it changed here in Calgary even um, heading into the uh, the offseason. Um, I want to make sure I get this right because – when Ryan Huska was filling out his staff, uh, he brought in Dan Lambert. Lambert ran the power play in Nashville the last couple of seasons. And when that came out, it was before the Mark Savard news. Mm. So we were assuming, okay, Dan Lambert's going to take over the, the power play duties here in Calgary. That didn't happen. He's, he's going to take a different, he's going to take the defensive side of things. Uh, and Mark Savard, obviously being Mark Savard yeah. uh, is going to take over power play forward, that sort of thing. So, It'll be interesting to see if Washington does go down that road for Kirk Muller, who look is is a good offensive, was a good offensive player in his time. Um, you can you know say didn't do great things with the power play here in Calgary, and I think that would be fair. But you're right in Washington. I mean, <laughs> that, if you're if you're daring to change what's worked for the last 15 years in Washington, be my guest that yeah. I wouldn't be the one uh, trying to change what's uh, what's worked so well in the faceoff dot for Washington. Off of the power play. So, yeah. uh, interesting to watch. We'll see where the Washington Capitals uh, come out of things. And if there is uh, a move to be made, I, I really do wonder can you convince it? Like, can you convince a team on a Tom Wilson 
especially around trade deadline time, if you're not in it. Oh, yeah, you could. Right? Like, uh, talk about a guy that Type you would, of guy you win with. You would love as a rental, right? Yeah. Like, right in that Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi kind of kind of range and yeah. maybe get a first round, another first round pick in the in your in the draft coming up. Washington but again, they want to be competitive. That's a hard line to walk if you're a yep. team like the Washington Capitals right now. Yeah, so. they told Ovechkin that they want to stay competitive. So they I don't think they'd be in that market necessarily, but if they were, like Mantha, Wilson and uh Edmondson eat 50% of the salary on all of those, just move them to whoever and try to get a couple of things for, for the next season. You could maybe see them do that. But again, it's the promise to, to try to stay competitive while Alex Ovechkin goes after that goal scoring record. Uh, he's Peter Klein. I'm Logan Gordon. That uh, wraps up hour one of the program. Thanks again to Tom Galetti for joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We will take a break when we come back on the other side. We're going to shift our focus to football. CFL week, just a few days away from getting... Uh, underway, Calgary Stampeders are in action. They're welcoming in the undefeated Toronto Argonauts. So we'll check in on the Calgary Stampeders. Plus uh, a conversation with Mike Sando from The Athletic. Ranking tiers for the NFL quarterbacks ahead of this season. Uh, I think who ranks out number one is pretty easy. But uh, the rest of the conversation, it's pretty interesting with some of these young quarterbacks. Looking forward to chatting with Mike about that. When Hour 2 kicks off, it's next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.